All right, welcome back for another episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today with me, I have a longtime friend uh, and um, someone I admire very much, Susan Michael. Susan is a photographer, a portrait photographer in Jacksonville, Florida. Susan, welcome back. Uh, we've done a couple of episodes on video on YouTube, but we have never really officially done the podcast. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Well, I'm excited to be here. This is fun. I love to talk. So perfect <laughs> format for me. Awesome. Awesome. So Susan, I know your story, but I want you to share the story with those who haven't heard it before. And so the reason that I wanted to share your story is because you've been your own boss. You've been an entrepreneur for many years. And so um, you have an interesting, um, I guess, viewpoint on what a business is and what are costs of doing business and everything in between. And also you're an artist. So Tell us a little bit about how you started in art. Where did you start and how did that go? Well, I, I knew from a very young age that I was not like everybody else. And um, thankfully, um, through a series of events, my parents were able to get me into piano lessons. And it's something that I took to quickly and realized I had a gift to be able to play by ear, which for those of you don't, don't who don't know means that you don't have to read music. If you hear something, you can actually sit down and play it. Now, I always assumed that that was normal, but I found out it was not when I got in trouble with my uh, in, with my piano teacher. She got mad at me because she had played my recital piece for me, and I went to school and played the whole thing when we were only supposed to be able to pay, play one page at a time. And because she played it for me, I heard it. I could play it. I couldn't read the notes, but I could <laughs> play it. So... Even the piano teacher did not recognize that as the talent that it actually is. Now, over the years, I studied music and I learned to read music and I did go to school for music. And um, so I'm very proficient as a reader, but I also can hear music, which is quite a, a good combination as a musician. And so uh, my second year in college, I got offered a job in a band, a gig, if you would call it that. And I never looked back. I started playing music professionally. I eventually moved to LA for 15 years, played professionally for there, never had a, a regular job, so to speak, um, have made my, had made my living as a musician for, um, you know, 20 something years. And um, I always knew that a lot of musicians had a visual art. Now, some of my sisters could draw really well, but I was not a drawing person. I literally could not draw a stick figure. But I always wondered why I didn't have a visual art. And um, I was going on tour and actually found a used camera at a pawn shop. I had always been somewhat interested in what photography was, didn't know one thing about it, not even how to put the film in the camera. These were, you know, back before digital when you could have film. And I bought this camera and I went to Bermuda to work. And I literally taught myself everything I could about photography there. And when I came back, I, I moved to L.A. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of starving musicians in L.A. that need pictures. And so I practiced on all my friends. And, and I was making a living as a photographer, I mean, as a musician. But I also then went to, I found that one of the local schools there, um, a community college, had a really good photography department. And you could literally go for 30 or $40 a, a course. And so for three years, I went to that college 
Um, and I sang at night and would go to college during the day just for fun. And, you know, now I know I probably could have had a fine art degree if I wanted one, but, um, but I, I never really cared. And, but I did learn a lot there. And so when I eventually moved back to Jacksonville through a series of events, I decided to open a portrait studio and I never really thought that there would be anything that could rival music. But the photography really, really captured my heart. It was something that I knew I had a, a really strong talent for and a, a love for. Um, but the thing is, is that I did both for a really long time. You know, the photography, I mean, the music supported the photography for a really long time. Um, and I've always been very business minded, which is, they say, not normal for an artist, but I'm very right brain, left brain. And um, so I knew a lot about running a business, most specifically as an artist, is how to hustle a gig. That's the hard part. I mean, you live on a subjective income, and that is a hard thing for some people to stomach. I mean, it's something that I've done for 40 years now. So uh, it's an interesting way to live, but um, I'm well suited to it. And so that's kind of my backstory of how I got into photography. And so, um, I mean, your photography journey also has been pretty interesting. I mean, I remember you talking about the little lion cubs or tiger cubs in Africa and things like that. But before we get to, to that exciting and interesting, very interesting part, um, tell, um, tell me a little bit about how you kind of, um, looking for the right word, how you basically... You know, it's there is this notion that artists are um, doomed or not doomed, um, destined for poverty. And so how did you uh, learn to create a real business out of it? Because I think the, the root of the problem, at least from my perspective, is that they don't treat it as a business. Exactly. That is the root of the entire problem. You know, when I was a musician, I was I was full in. I mean, I got my stuff together and put it in my car and drove all the way to LA to try to get a record deal. Now I did a lot of cool things in LA and I could drop some really, really big names, but I never got a record deal, you know, and there's a lot of amazing, amazing singers that will go to a place like Los Angeles and, and they may never get a record deal. Um, but I'm the, I'm one of the only people I knew. I mean, there were others, of course, that made a living playing music every single day I was in LA. And it was because I would go out and do the work I needed to be able to hustle a gig. I was in a band. I could play the piano so I could sit down and play by myself. I could sing backups. I could do parties. I mean, I could write music. I could, um, so there were so many things that I could do. And so I had multiple, even back then, income streams, even though I was just this musician, right? So when I changed into photography. Um, and there was a transition period there. You know, I came into photography as an unknown when I was 36 years old. And um, the local photographers, the ones that were the big guys at that time, you know, still to this day laugh about how, how, how I did it and how I came into it. And I kind of flew under the radar because um, having been in LA, I had, it was when black and white film was just really becoming a big thing for weddings. 
And my, um, my aesthetic having been in this big city was loose and kind of romantic. And, and these guys were not doing this. They had their cameras on a tripod and they were very set in their way about how it was going to be very posed. And I come in with this fly by the seat of your pants kind of mentality from an artist perspective where, um, yeah, we go to your wedding and take three or four cameras and yeah, I might take that posed picture, but then I'm going to pull out my black and white camera and I'm going to get you with a tear rolling down your eye. And it just was the aesthetic meeting the right timing because a lot of photographers weren't doing that at that time. And so I knew from a business perspective that I had something, a little bit of an edge. But like I said, I, I really flew under the radar. I kind of brushed it off when I talked to other people and I didn't really say anything. And they'd be like, oh, how many weddings are you booking? Oh, I'm booking a few. Well, And I had booked 40. Like I was taking work from these people. And so I knew I was on to something. And that very first year I was in photography, um, I realized that I could make a lot more money as a photographer than I could as a musician. And I was really, really into that. And the first five years I was in business, I mean, we were, we were shoveling some money through this studio for sure. And um, I, I, I treated it like a business. A lot of my friends, they work out of their house and there's nothing wrong with working out of their house, but I'm sitting in a studio that I bought in 1999 that's now paid for, that's worth a lot more money than I paid for it by many, many times over. So it's been a great investment, but I would get up and come to work every day like a normal person. I would treat it like a job. I would be in here by 9 30, 10 o'clock at the latest. I would be returning phone calls. I had a business phone number. You know, all those things that normal small businesses would do, I was doing, and I could see a lot of my friends were kind of playing at it. So I, as an artist, you don't play at it. I mean, I think if you're serious about it, you have to be all in. Um, you have to be willing to put the work in. And the thing I tell people too, is that, you know, it sounds really cool being an artist. Oh, it's so cool. You just get to do whatever you want to do. Really, that's not true. 90% of what I do is the stuff I don't want to do. 10% of the stuff I do is the stuff I really love and I want to do. So, I mean, I don't like sitting around and doing books and, and, you know, ordering stuff and, doing production and putting things together necessarily. I mean, I like doing the art part, but I realized early on that 90% of what it takes to run a small art business, be it photography, music, writing, whatever it is, is doing the stuff you don't want to do. And that's where I see people fail most often. They're not willing to do the unglamorous work. They just want to do what looks glamorous. And you will never be a successful artist in any medium or form if you are not willing to do the work it takes. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you've said because I believe in that myself. And so what I'm curious uh, about is talk, talk a little bit about uh, something that you've shared with me before. Um, you've mentioned that, you know, portraits are your, um, I guess portraits events are your main um, source of income, but it allows you to do something else that you're really passionate about. So talk about that a little bit. Oh, you mean the new stuff that's not so new now? No, like when you, you remember you would, um, we were at a retreat or whatever, and you, you mentioned that your portrait studio pays not only for your 
lifestyle for your life, but also allows you to travel and to photograph, you know, African safari or um, the North Pole and all those exciting things. Well, I've got, I've been really lucky. I was president of our national association that afforded me, you know, relationships that not everyone gets to have with, with people. I've met a lot of photographers all over the world and I've always been very adventurous. I've always loved wildlife. Um, I love art beyond the portrait studio that I, that I do. And I, and I do love what I do. I love working with people. I photographed you. I think you see that there's something a little different about me than the average photographer. And I've been doing this for a lot of years and it's still, I go to every single job with this, this energy and expectation, but I learned early on that I needed to reward myself and treat myself. And that meant getting out into the world, seeing other things and doing things. And for me, one of those things was a lifelong um, bucket list item to go to Africa. And I finally did in 2016, I had the opportunity to go to Africa. So I've been a few times now and literally I was the one on the safari vehicle that would stay I mean, you get me up at six in the morning and I will still be there crying when it gets dark and I have to go back to camp because I I would literally photograph all day, every day, 10, 20, 30. I don't care how many days I would be there. I could never tire of photographing that. And I also did get to go to the North Pole, um, north of um, Norway, up until what place they call Flosbard, which is one of the places that um, is is the best uh, polar bear viewing in the world. And I always wanted to go do that. It'd be nice to be there right now because it is so hot here in Florida. (laughs) But, um, you know, there's nothing quite like seeing a 700, 800 pound polar bear swimming in the water up to your um, rubber Zodiac raft. And, you know, from an artist's perspective, I mean, just the light and and being with other artists is just something that I think, you know, you have to nourish your soul as an artist. And that's what these things do. And of course, that's led me to some of the newer things that I'm doing, which I've been making some pretty major transitions over the last five years yet again. And, and I didn't expect that, but it, I believe that comes from being willing to nourish my soul as an artist. Um, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, um, I can only imagine what it felt like to be there, both places, the hottest place and the, and the coldest place. Well, one of the coldest. Um, so what do you see most, let's say you, you've been in, um, in art, in music and in photography for a while. And so what do you see, where do you see most folks who consider themselves artists um, go wrong, not in the sense of the, not really wrong, wrong is the, uh, is the wrong word for it, but where do they miss um, an opportunity to, to become someone like you? Well, if you're born into wealth and somebody's willing to, um, you know, underwrite your artistic endeavors, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But let's face it, most of us are not. And even the ones that are, I suspect, do not appreciate it in the same way that someone who has to struggle does. And um, there is a lot to be said for having to make your own way. Um, Because frankly, to be a great artist or even a good artist, you have to learn to fail. And a lot of people do not like to fail. And that is, um, I mean, I fail at something every single day. And, you know, some days I handle it better than others. 
But where I see people um, fail most often, I, I happened to drop into a clubhouse room a while back. And it was, um, there's about a thousand people on there. And it was about, all about art and making a living as an artist and so on and so forth. And this guy got on this rant about how, you know, art should be pure and she shouldn't make a living from art and how people, you know, bastardize art and the whole, just, just pushing that whole starving artist theory like you were you were talking about earlier. And I thought, oh my God, I've just got to get off of this thing. It's making me sick. Because I've always felt like, you know, you deserve to have the right to make a living as an artist. It, I deserve to make a living and a good living just as much as you do, just as much as a doctor does. And for years, I've had to, to defend to a point my pricing, for example, I'm not an inexpensive photographer and I've had doctors and lawyers come to, you know, to do work here with me for their wedding or their children's or whatever. Most of them respect me as a, as a, as an artist, but there are those occasional people who want to question it. And then I have to get on them because boy, can I run it down when I start telling you, look, I, I pay 500 bucks a month in taxes on this place. I have to buy the toilet paper for this place. I mean, there's all these things that you have to do that are not glamorous and not fun to run a business. And essentially, being an artist for art's sake sounds glamorous and sexy and fun, but it does not pay the bills. And so if you want to make a living as an artist, if you want to pay the bills, you are in fact running a small business. And there is no ifs, ands, and buts about that. You, and like we said earlier, 90% of what you're going to do is not what you want to do. I mean, the fun part, I tell people all the time, if, if they ever want to give me a little bit of a hard time about my pricing, I say, look, I love you and I would take your pictures for free. What you're paying me for is all the other stuff I have to do that I don't want to do. Like, you know, talking to you 12 times or emailing you back and forth 50 times or telling you how to dress or driving to the place I'm going to be or, you know, dealing with the lab if they send something back and it doesn't meet my expectations. All the stuff that a normal business deals with, you deal with as an artist. I don't care if you're a writer, if you're a photographer, if you're a musician, if you're an, a, a painter, um, whatever you are you're still going to have to deal with that. And I think that's where people fail to understand the difference in making a living as an artist and living this unrealistic dream world of what an artist might be. <laughs> I love that. It's very, um, very noticeable in New York City where there are a lot of people who call themselves actors, actresses, but they go to one audition a month or less. <laughs> and so, yeah, absolutely. And then they call, they, they do live the gl glamorous life on the surface, but it really, they're barely, you know, they're living with three, four roommates, barely making ends meet. Maybe they smoke, maybe they drink a Starbucks a day and they never really put a thought into what does it take to really be successful? Where do I really want to be? Exactly. And, you know, you, there, it takes a lot of work to do, to, even nowadays, even at the, the point I am in my life, I spend a lot of time it, to, to quote, you know, a, a saying, working on myself, you know, to um, try to understand the things that I still need to do. I mean, business ebbs and flows. It goes through different layers, different time frames, different um things as it changes and it will change over the years of course your expectations what you want um you know whether or not you want to have 10 employees 
or you want to have two employees. I mean, how small do you want it? How big do you want it? All those things um, have to be taken into consideration. And working on your mental well-being is a big part of it. I mean, going to conferences, learning, educating yourself. I mean, I know a lot of photographers who think they know everything. They never have to go anywhere and learn anything. And yes, having the internet and YouTube and all of that stuff, which by the way, we didn't have when I started this in, in this industry, um, has lessened the need of that for some, to some degree, but there is nothing that will ever take the place, in my opinion, of in-person education, especially as an artist, um, because you learn so much from other artists and other people that there will always be people out there doing it better than you, that know more than you. Always, I don't care who you are, there will always be those people. And if you can learn from them, you can save yourself some time. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Any sort of business coaching or just um, going and looking at pictures or looking at um, how people do business with, you know, wh whether it's art or not, or not um, is I think is important. I've certainly invested a lot in my own education, but I think that it's so important to c continue growing that, and, and it's interesting. It's a little, a little um, not su surprising, but more like bizarre than not as many people do it as they as should well yeah and i mean as you know we met at a writing uh mastermind which um is interesting for me because um i don't necessarily consider myself a writer it's certainly not the way i make my living but you've written a beautiful book and i've been working on a book for a long time and so the first thing i wanted to do was go to a writing conference. And interestingly enough, I mean, the connections that I've made, you would be one example. There's been so many other examples of people that I've been able to meet and network with, then in turn do something, you know, for the art side of what I'm doing. And um, at the end of the day, I don't think people realize the value of networking with like-minded individuals. And they, um, also don't recognize the value of getting other people's eyes on what you're doing, which is kind of the networking thing anyway. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you write a book and it sits in a drawer for the next 20 years. Nobody will ever read it. And it may be, you know, the next to kill a mockingbird, but nobody's ever going to know it. I mean, great art is created all the time that never sees the light of day. And, getting out into the world and networking with people and doing masterminds and learning. Those are the things that teach you how to get your art out into the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes total sense. Absolutely. And I don't think there is a, like a, a recipe. I mean, it's, there certainly isn't in business in general, but I'm sure in art it's the same way where there's no recipe for success you have to find your own way, but you also have to also continue challenge your own assumptions, your own um, skills and knowledge and keep learning, 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 but also applying at the same time. I think that's, uh, that's a key point. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, a, a friend of mine who did write a book years and years ago about marketing photography, and she's long since retired. And she said to me once over dinner, God, if I could just figure out a way to 
to really tell people how to do this in a method that would work for everyone, it would be like an amazing thing. But we all know that there's no, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. I mean, yeah, I suppose you can go get a college degree and learn how to do this, whatever this trade is. And then you can go do that trade and you make a living. Um, But for the most part, you know, there's a certain threshold where that kind of thing ends. And anyone who's going to do anything bigger than life than work for someone else or or just, you know, do a service trade of any kind. And we need those people. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to do anything bigger than that, there is no proven path. I mean, there are certainly things you can learn from other people, but there is no proven path where somebody can say, do this and you will be a successful photographer. Or do this, you will be a successful writer. You will be a successful, you know, artist. There is no, there is no book. And there are some books out there that hit on certain aspects of it. But there's very few really written on how to be a successful artist, for example, because nobody can tell you how to do it. They can tell you some things. But, but then the word, you know, then the question becomes, what is success? You know, some people think making $100,000 a year is success, you know, but I have a friend who just bought a $150 million yacht selling photography. So in my opinion, that's a little more successful than a hundred grand, you know? So where in, where between those two do you want to be? I mean, and only you can answer that. And I can guarantee you there's no rule, there's no book that will tell you how as a photographer to make enough money to buy a $150 million yacht. There is no book out there. Because if there was, I would buy it and I would read it every <laughs> night of my life. <laughs> That's a good point. Yep. And uh, a yacht sounds, sounds great, actually. Um, that's awesome. And uh, how do you, if you don't mind, um, describe um, your typical like day. And what I'm, what I'm looking for, what I'm interested in, to hear is you said that there's 90% of stuff that you don't like doing. And you gave some examples like driving to the location and talking to people and emailing and that kind of stuff. But then what else is that something and what is the 10% for you? Well, the 10% for me is actually creating the art. I mean, the good thing for me, and I'm going to see if I can remember the four that I said there were. um, I think in order to be successful as an artist, you have to be interested in working with people. Because even if you think you're an artist and you can hide behind the canvas or whatever, eventually you have to sell that art if you're going to make a living. So that means working with people. You have to be interested in the production part of it because there's a lot of not that fun stuff that goes into um, producing paintings, like putting coats on it that help it not, you know, get damaged and shipping things to clients and dealing with all of that stuff. So, you know, the actual production, everyday production part. Then there's the promotional aspect or the advertising and all of that stuff, which is a huge, huge part of it. And then there's the business aspect. You know, as an as an artist, you really cannot hand off any of that. Now, you can hand off some parts of those things to people, the more successful you get. But really and truly, a very successful artist has to have their hands in those four things at all times to be successful. So, for example, um, I've been doing a lot of painting 
And um, this is something that is very odd to people that know me for a long time because I'm a photographer. Then I write a book. Then I'm, then I get into um, now I'm doing some painting. Um, you know, we did a lot of video work for a television show not too long ago. So I mean, it's all this crazy stuff that I'm into that has nothing to do with running my photograph, my portrait photography studio, right? So I mean, admittedly, at this point in my life. I'm less inclined to want to get up and come here and do the work that I need to do. And I say I've been riding two fences for a very long time. I am essentially running two businesses. And this business, the portrait studio, is paying for my ability to do the other things that I think have huge potential. But at this point, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen to make any of those things really show any kind of um, of, of financial uh, gain. So um, I just did a lot of dance schools. I do a lot of dance schools here. I'm really good with dancers. And the reason that I love that is because it's a chunk of money that comes in here every year. And it's a big chunk of money all in a couple, three months, lots and lots of work. Um, but the great thing about that is these dance schools always have, um, you know, a certain percentage of new babies, three to four to five-year-olds that are showing up at these schools. So as a portrait photographer, I look at that and I go, okay, this is new potential. So instead of me having to go out every year and hunt these people down, um, I just do these dance schools and I'll go to, you know, to one school, maybe have 60 people, another school, maybe have another 25 or 30 new babies, depending on the, you know, the size of the school. So in general, I'm going to say there's about 200 new babies a year that I could potentially work with as a portrait photographer over and above the dance thing. So I do this little fairy thing. It's really beautiful. I spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the dresses and the wings. And when I put the set together, it's magical. It's not your typical tacky fairy thing. It looks like a painting. It is a gorgeous thing to do with your child if they're a girl between the ages of, say, two to eight or nine. And so when I went to the dance schools this year to actually pass out the pictures, it's one thing I hate to do. It's a waste of my time. I hate going to those dance schools and passing out the pictures, but I don't want to ship them. That's an even worse situation. They're not going to pass them out. They're busy. They've got a lot going on. So I have to take responsibility for going and sitting there and passing this out. Yes, I could pay someone else to do it, but here's the beautiful part about it. Every year I try to make myself understand this is my only opportunity with all of these people to meet them face to face and say hello and make sure that they're happy with the product we've delivered, even though it's the unglamorous work of dance schools. This year, what I made myself do was take the fairy book, take some fairy pictures, make a little setup. And every time a mom came that had a kid that was in the right age group, I said, is this something you'd be interested in because we're going to be doing this this summer and the kids love it. So now I've been working over, I'm sitting here looking at a stack of 250 invoices that I put aside that all of these people said they were potentially interested in fairy pictures. And I'm sitting here and I'm calling every single one of them and saying, we're doing this. Are you interested? This is the kind of work you have to do if you want to sell art. I don't care if you want to sell portraits or you want to sell a painting or you want to sell your book. This is the kind of work you have to do. And it's not glamorous and it's not fun, 
And I've really had to make myself come in here over the last four or five days and sit here and dialing for dollars is what we call it, you know, to get people in to do these little fairy sessions. What I really want to go do home and do is paint and sell one of my paintings for $10,000. That's what I really want to do. But I'm calling people about fairy sessions. So, I mean, there's T.D. Jakes, one of the greatest pastors in the world, Bishop Jakes, preaches out of Dallas in a huge, huge church. And he said, you have to learn to live between expectation and reality. And that's a really hard thing for artists. And it's a really hard thing for some business owners to understand. You have expectation. You have dreams. You have things you want to do. But then there's every day, like coming to work today before we started this and the backup battery busted and I had to jump in the car and it's 100 degrees outside and go find another backup battery that, you know, the thing you plug all your your computers and stuff into so if the lightning hits, it doesn't die. And they're expensive and it's a pain in the butt. You have to crawl up under the desk and pull everything out, plug it all back in. Nothing glamorous about that. But it's what you have to do to run a business. Now, and I've seen people run very big, very well-known businesses where you would think my friend with the $150 million yacht would not do trivial stuff in his business. But I've been in his business and I have watched him do things just like what I'm talking about (laughs) that you would not believe. He hasn't hired someone to handle that. But there are just some things in your business that have to be taken care of. So living between expectation and reality. I mean, a lot of people live way too close to expectation. And, um, you know, sometimes the universe will bring you down a peg or two and put you back in reality. And I think, you know, what we've been through for the last year or two with the whole uh, COVID thing has, has, has given everyone a dose of reality. You know, we live in a very, very fine line world, you know, where we expect we've got another day and we may not. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, So, yeah, I do stuff every day that I don't really want to do. And there's some examples of two things I did today that I didn't really want to do. I love it. I think you've just described pretty much anything in life, relationships, um, work, art, um, kids, anything. Um, it, there are glamorous parts that make it worth your while if that's something meaningful to you. And every and there's a lot of stuff that really kills your brain cells every time you have to do it. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And there's no way around it, I think. What do you think? Well, no, there's no way around it. I mean, you know, the early bird gets the worm. I mean, hard work is a part of any, we're speaking about art. So hard work is in any artist's business. And you will spend a lot of your time trying to figure out how to sell your art versus make your art. And you have to have an equal uh, interest in both in order to be successful. And at the end of the day, I think that's where most people would fail in an art business. And I think... Um, they fail to realize that at the end of the day, there's only one thing that is important. And it's my mantra every day, getting eyeballs on what you do. That's the only thing that matters. I mean, 
if you can't figure out a way to get eyeballs on what you're doing as an artist, I don't care what you're doing, it, you know, what form of art you are in. If you can't get people to pay attention to what you're doing, you will not be successful. And, and paints cost money. New cameras cost money. I mean, I dropped probably $800 today on stuff that, that was not fun to buy. Just, it was not a new camera. It was not a new lens. It was, you know, a, a freaking backup battery and mat boards to, to, you know, put some prints and mat, mats to actually mat some prints. I mean, that stuff is not that fun to spend a lot of money on. And, uh, and so you have to get eyeballs on your work in order to be able to afford the things it will take you to create your work. And I have understood that from the very beginning. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things that has made me successful as an artist. I love it. Susan, it's always such a pleasure to, to talk to you. You're such a, an inspiring, um, person, artist, um, I mean, I'm fascinated by the work that you do. I can't wait to see the pictures that you've done for us. <laughs> um, and I hope that people listening to you who consider themselves artists, and even if they don't, I think like any profession has some form of art in it. Accounting certainly does. Well, they, they do. Absolutely, they do. And so I think that it would be great to inspire someone with today's episode. Well, I appreciate what you do. I think that it's remarkable, the work that you've been doing. I am honored to be your friend and to be able to chat with your audience. And I am very passionate, even after all of these years, about what I do. And, um, you know, if there's someone out there that thinks that they want to pursue a creative endeavor, um, go into it knowing the reality of what it's going to take. It is, it is a lot of fun, but it is a lot of work. I love that. Thanks so much, Susan. Thanks so much. It was a great pleasure to have you on my show. Thanks. Bye everybody.